Never doing a New Year's resolution with better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's John. Hello. And James. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. It's a brr- oh, gosh. First episode of the year. Wow. Boy, howdy. It's 2023. That's insane, dude. Oof. It's crazy. It's 2023. We made it this far. That we did. We did. Drinks all around. Congrats, everybody. Way to go, team. We did it. Good job. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. When was the last time you got hugged? Oh. That's a great question. Mm. Within the last two weeks, probably. Yeah, probably when I saw my family. Yeah. It was a good time of year for it, you know? Get the annual hug in. I think mine was on the first, because I saw my family on that day. Oh. Yeah. What's your What is your policy on when do you believe that it's okay to hug uh, someone who is not family? Ah, oh, fuck. That's who it is. Which I guess is what you're asking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, for good friends, I'll do it sometimes. Yeah, I'm down for hugging, like, friends. Um, and I basically limit it to good friends that I already know, like, are down for a hug. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I just don't. Unless somebody's like, oh, I'm giving out hugs. Like, they're going around to the entire group and hugging everybody. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah bring it in. I'll give a hug. But otherwise, just... Just one of those things, particularly, I don't know if this is just a me problem or a general problem, but as a man, just one of those things, it's easier not to initiate with people you don't know already are open for it. Right. Yeah, that's very true. I think it I think it genuinely depends on how long you've known each other. Like, I think if you've been in contact, I think if you've, like, mm, No. I guess it depends on, like, it does depend on personal context. Because, like, some of the people I befriended in college, like, the guys I, like, met and got grew close to first were all, like, good with hugging each other out. And then as the group kind of grew and people got added in, it just kind of became a thing of, like, when we all said goodbye, we all just gave each other hugs. So. Yeah. So I definitely think it depends on, like, proximity and relative like intimacy like if you do feel like you're you've become relatively close with them like i think you can do it because it is like it is one of those things where you don't realize until like the moments where somebody is going and you're like you're close with them but you don't know if you're that close with them and you don't realize until that moment how like in a way intimate a hug is yeah. Which is what I find interesting because it, it does come off as a very casual gesture, you know? Well, and don't hugs release chemicals that make you go, ah, yes, this is a person I trust and like? 
Is that what they do? I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. They might. I mean, like, physically, you have to be right up next to the person anyway, so that's like a good deal of trust already. Yeah. You that's know? very true. I'm just reinforcing that. I wonder where, like, a hug originates from, you know? Fuck. That's a good yeah, question. I guess it's just like a, a lower or a less intimate form of more intimate gestures. Yeah, like, that's one that strikes me as, like, like, a handshake strikes me as a very, like, like, not artificial, but, like, created gesture. Like, that one strikes me as one that, like, so, doesn't occur in nature, only occurs in human beings. A hug strikes me as something that, like, comes out of nature. Uh, some theory, some theorize that it's initially started as a form to share body heat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, babies reach out for hugs. Like... Hey. But is that learned behavior? Uh, I don't think it's learned. Tabula rasa. <laughs> um, yeah. What came first, the hug or the social conditioning? Wow. You know. Will we ever? Will we ever know? The word hug is <laughs> believed question, to come from Mr. the word Risto. hugga, meaning to comfort in the Old Norse language, first appearing approximately four hundred and fifty something. Huh. Wait, Ancient. what does it mean? Uh. To comfort. To comfort. Apparently appearing approximately 450 years ago in Scandinavian. Hmm. I'm going to a hug you. <laughs> Let me give you a hug. A hug you. A hug you. That's cute. Bunch of Scandinavians uh, all hug each other in their fucking It's an evolutionary tool for survival. Yeah, do other animals hug? Do ants hug? I monkeys mean, gotta hug. Monkeys probably hug monkeys all the time. Monkeys probably hug. Cats give hugs. Dogs give hugs. Do dogs really give hugs? Oh, they can. Like, if you lift their arms up. No, if but they're like, big enough, yeah. If they're big enough, and, like, if you get down there, they'll, like, put their paws up on your shoulders, or, like, I know my dog used to, like, when she was really excited when we came in the door, she'd, like, put her paws up on her hips, because, like, she's only an Australian Shepherd, she can only get so high. Like, she'd get up there just to, like, try and be closer to us. Oh. I mean, like, maybe their version of a hug is, like, the thing they do when they, like, curl up next to you, you know what I mean? Maybe that's, like, the closest proximal thing. Although, can animals really even feel, like, they can feel, like, affection, right? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know, dude. Like, sometimes, <laughs> Cats you know, like, can't, maybe, but... <laughs> hey, how dare you slam those lobsters beautiful creatures? Pain. Me? Yeah. No, I think it was Jordan Peterson who is <laughs> saying that. The lobster is nature's perfect creature. <laughs> they can't feel pain. I Just think a lobster like can feel affection. A lobster can feel affection? I think it could. <laughs> I, bet a, I hope all lobsters sound like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, I think it'd be funny. What's that one A24 film where, Lobster like, with Colin oh, Farrell, um, you yeah. get turned into animals to yeah. like rediscover love? And if you don't, uh, it's like if you don't they discover don't get it into in animals time, to rediscover love, they get told they have to be in a relationship. And if they fail to find one within the time period, they get turned into an animal. Wow, I think it turns out there's a whole re- society of people just living outside the walls who are like not animals. They just said, "Fuck this, I'm out." 
Huh, that's interesting. I read the Wikipedia. That does sound like a that sounds like a very eight twenty four uh plot. Um, oh, have you not watched it? I figured no. you would watch it. No, I haven't seen it. At I'm least not games. I'm not a big fan of um like uh, a lot of the stuff they do is like so off kilter and creepy. I'm not like super into a lot of that stuff. Like I haven't seen The Witch. I haven't seen The Northman. I haven't seen I think The Northman was A24. I haven't seen um, um there's another one. The Law I haven't seen A24 The Lighthouse is another one. They've got a lot. They got um, a lot. Hereditary, I think, is one. Programs. I think Midsummer is another yeah, one. Yeah, Midsummer's definitely one of those. Um, why is this? This summer, watch Florence Pugh scream in brightly lit Scandinavian terrain oh, for three hours. So, <laughs> there are five highest grossing films, though, are Everything Everywhere All at Once, Hereditary, Ladybird, Moonlight, and Uncut Gems. Oh, I've seen Ladybird and Uncut Gems. Okay, so I've I've seen their like some of their stuff. A lot of their stuff to me always comes off as very like they're very like indie high concept horror. You know, mm. um, they make a lot more know. than I thought they did. Yeah, Midsummer. You haven't been this scared of white people since the Civil Rights Unit in seventh um, grade. They made the Green Knight. They made the Lighthouse. They did well, Ex Machina. Okay, um, that one I've seen. That's a great movie. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see if I can recognize anything else of theirs. Part of me wants to grow a beard out just so I can shave my head so I can play Oscar Isaac's character for Halloween. Oscar, has, have either of you guys seen Rex Machina? Machina? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. really yeah. done a ton. That could be fun. I need to find uh, some girl who looks like the robot, though, that he dances with, and then I gotta learn the dance. So, a robot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I gotta find a robot. I have to become Oscar Isaac to play him in Halloween and for for Halloween. I have to become. I have to invent artificial I mean, intelligence for my. If you're Halloween gonna do costume. it properly, you might as well just reshoot the entire film. That's very true. I gotta get Alicia Vikander on the phone. I'll have to tear her away from her loving husband, Michael Fassbender. Um, <laughs> oh, you know he's a giving lover. I he probably is. He probably is. I mean, he's. Uh, you know, he's an Irishman. He's got a lot of passion in him, you know. Um, I think those two those two met doing some indie film. I think it's called To the Lighthouse or something like that. Hmm. Um, but not A24's The Lighthouse. No, I don't Starring, think so. Uh, Although everybody's favorite uh, <sighs> anti favorite Christ figure. Um, Bach, Will what's Defoe. Willem Dafoe, Willem yes. Dafoe. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cute if, much like how Alicia Vikander and Michael Fassbender met on the set of To the Lighthouse and found everlasting love together, wouldn't it be wonderful if Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe met on the set of The Lighthouse <laughs> and found everlasting love together? Um, and they just like stayed looking like their characters until they See, both. See, now I'm thinking like. I'm, Bat- the Batman came out after that, right? Yeah. So I'm just picturing the set of the Batman, like, after a long day of shooting, Pattinson's, like, gotten the costume off, he's, like, in just some sweats, and he's still got, like, some black eyeliner under on, and he walks into his trailer, and Willem Dafoe's just there, like, making some dinner. Yeah. Rough day. It's like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. He sits down. They're making, like, mac and cheese. They watch some, like, uh, reality television. Dafoe's then they go back and the lines with him playing the Riddler. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then they go back into Pattinson's bedroom and just have like trailer shit. The entire anyone still on the lot can hear what they're doing. Anyone still on the lot is it's, wearing earplugs. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, they, they learned my day. Done two. this before. <laughs> they're like, oh, you think you think the movie we're making is scary? You should hear what they're making <laughs> at oh, night. Fuck. That's terrifying. <laughs> Uh, I mean, in a good way, in a good way. We got here from hugs. Yep. And yeah. we've arrived at shipping Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe. That's hey, we're not the first to do it. it, and we won't be the last, all right? How do you think they got to the lighthouse? Uh, they got paid? <laughs> no, they got they were, they were got on a ship. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you mean they didn't was start it from on the an island? Yeah, I thought it was on like a rock in the middle of nowhere or something. Oh. I don't know. I didn't see the movie. I didn't see the movie either. Neither did I. We're qualified to talk about it then. Of yeah, course. Yeah, the lighthouse. I think. I think wasn't the lighthouse just supposed to be? Um, it was the sequel to uh, Call Me by Your Name, right? It was what? a. It was a. It was a gay sailor romance. <laughs> <laughs> and it was shot. I was gonna know what Call Me by Your Name is, so we're just gonna move on. Oh. Oh, you got, I have actually, I haven't, that's another one I haven't seen. It's, uh, it's one with Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet. They fall in love in Italy or something. What? Something. There's an age gap. There. Not, uh, not a huge age. Well, I guess 20, 20 odd years, you know. It's fairly Plus, significant. Isn't Ar- Army Hammer like a cannibal or some shit? RJ, RJ, RJ. Much like Michael Fassbender, the Irishman, he's passionate. All right. Whether or not <laughs> he meets it. people is that is besides the question. All right. Okay. The question is, are you willing to brave potentially being brave you know pearly whites? Literally ravaged, yes. Um in in order to get to the real gold, which is of course debatably the most lucrative fortune in the world, the Armand Hammer fortune of the Armand Hammer family, uh, of which he is a member. So Army Hammer you... is the heir to the Armand Hammer fortune, <laughs> like the baking yeah. soda company. <laughs> yes, he's that's. Are his you family. fucking with me? Or are you serious? I'm I'm dead. I'm look look it up, dude. It's for real. That is so unfortunate. <laughs> It's so funny. That's like be- that's self parody. It to be Armin Hammer heir to the Armin Hammer baking soda fortune. He might be named after. It's like saying like, you made uh, your money in uh, urinal cakes. <laughs> what do you? Excuse me. What are you talking about, dude? That's lucrative. Everyone needs baking powder and baking soda. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's not lucrative. I'm just that's saying brilliant. I'm just saying the fact that they named the child Army Hammer is goofy as all hell. It's true. I should have just called him. Uh, it's like saying I hate you before you're born. <laughs> I think they just thought it was funny, and pro- he probably thinks. Also, I I'm pretty sure like it's his his like great grandfather, the guy who founded it. Like it's literally like Armand Hammer or something oh. like that. Like I'm pretty sure like Arm is actually. God, how is this real? Oh, I think it's I think it's very funny. Hold on, let me let me look this up. Born nineteen. Oh my God, he's actually he's younger than I thought he was. He was born in nineteen eighty six. Oh damn, dude, he's so good in the Social Network. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, 
born in 1986 in Santa Monica, California. His mother is a former bank loan officer, and his father, Michael Armand Hammer, owns several businesses. Oh, blah, that's blah, blah. Michael. Oh, that's, shit. that's Michael Hammer. My name is Michael Hammer. Maybe, maybe, fuck, I think I'm wrong. I don't think he, maybe he's not you the, are. uh. Okay, but wait a minute. His, like, great-grandfather It's often is... claimed that the brand name originated with Tycoon Armand Hammer. However, the Armand Hammer brand was in use 31 years before Hammer was born. He yeah, is Hammer related. was so often asked about the Church and Dwight brand that he attempted to buy the company. While unsuccessful, Hammer's Occidental Petroleum acquired enough stock for him to join the Church and Dwight Board of Directors in 1986. He remained one of the owners until his death in 1990. Dang. I was wrong. How's it Shucks. How's that, how does that make well, you feel, James? His paternal great-grandfather was... James. He ran... James, how, how do you feel being wrong? How do I feel being wrong? Um, It's actually a more common feeling for me than than you would think. Really? So it is it is disappointing, but is not it is not unsurprising. And I find that once you take the surprise out of being wrong, it's a much easier pill to swallow. That's very insightful. Our next segment oh. is Better Buddies Recommend, where you recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Who'd like to start? I just went through a few, but I got another one. Let's <gasps> hear it. So this week I read the book version of Howl's Moving Castle. Ooh. <gasps> oh yeah, how was that? Quite good. It was very different. Um, how so? And a lot of the conflict could have been avoided by just telling Sophie what was going on, like ninety percent of the time. Isn't that but, the way? You know, that's fine. Um, but yeah, in the book, Howl is from Wales. Oh. Like the real world country. Neat. And that's where the black door go goes. So, that, yeah, it was fun, uh, though. That sentence would make more sense if I'd seen Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, dude, you've got to see Howl's Moving Castle. So one of the main features of the castle is the front door has a dial over it. It has four different colors painted on it. And depending what color you, like, face downwards when you open the door, you go to a different place. Hmm. So one's in, like, the capital city. One's, like, out in the hills where the castle is walking around. One's in like a portside town where it's actually located, is this and then as there's your, this black one. Is this as you're Wales. entering the castle or leaving the castle? Uh, leaving the castle. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. So yeah, he's from Wales. He goes to this fantasy land of, I think it's like Ingersoll or something. Oh, they actually do. They ever actually name it in the movie? I can't remember if they do. Um, they definitely do in the book. But yeah, you get a lot more of Sophie's perspective and like her thoughts. Um, she's really hung up on the idea of being the oldest, and that means she's destined to be unlucky and never make something of herself, which is a oh. big part of the curse that turns her into an old woman. Interesting. So, yeah, good book, good movie. I recommend. There's actually three books in the series. Oh, wow. I don't know what the next two books are going to be but yeah How dear, are you not moving castle I it's see. just him living in Wales yeah if only 
it's him getting a job as an actuary somewhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the book pretty much ends where the movie ends. Like, that ends with a confrontation with the Witch of the Waste. And then them, and then Sophie turning young again. And then spoilers for Alice Willie Castle. <laughs> now that I've listed out all the spoilers. What do you, uh, what do you think about it in comparison to the movie? Like, are you a fan? Are you like, does the movie actually, is it the movie kind of a faithful adaptation or no, not really? For the most part, they shuffle around some characters. Like the scarecrow is a little more complicated than just being the prince at the end. Okay. Um, he's actually a combination of the prince and the royal wizard Suleiman. Oh, fascinating. All which, right. like cuts the bodies into pieces and then shuffles them together so they can't be recombobulated. Without oh. a bunch of effort. <laughs> That's some like Oz level shit right there. Uh huh. So, but the age rating is nine and up. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's a it's kind of, it's a British children's book. You can't trust those age ratings. <laughs> those people people think Hobbit everything is, is okay. Book. Yeah, that's very true. The Hobbit's so good though. So, and I bet How's Moving Castle. How is the actual like? How is the actual prose? Like, is it very illustrative? Is it very simple? Is it like? Do you feel like you're reading a children's book? Not really. I I mean, it was relatively straightforward, but it wasn't like dumbed down or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think an adult would enjoy reading it. Um, I did, <laughs> so I hope so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I I gave Calcifer Billy Crystal's voice the whole time. <laughs> I know nice. he's impo- He's impossible to not hear. Is that I would bet. I don't think I gave Howl Kristen Bale's voice. So. Oh. Okay. Dude, I still can't get over the fact that Howl at one point actually does, like, Christian Bale does the Batman voice in Howl's Movie Castle, and it's kind of amazing. <laughs> it's great. I'm a raven. Oh, that part doesn't happen either. What? Oh, really? Yeah, he's, like, never a bird. Really? Well, not significantly, anyway. Like, it's not a major plot point or anything. There's a couple <laughs> of magic battles where he, like, transforms, but there's no, like, distinct section about it. Interesting. Good book. Cool. Uh, James, you want to go next? Or do I? You got it, my man. Alright. Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. I watched this at the end of the day of being hungover on January 1st because, good lord, I had so goddamn much to drink. And it was very entertaining. Uh, All the actors are fantastic because they got such a goddamn big cast. I mean, they've got Catherine Hahn. They got a bad Hulk. What's his name? Norton. Edward. Oh, yeah. Um, They got Dave Bautista. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Daniel Craig. Is that Daniel Craig? Fuck, who plays the... Plays LeBlanc. That's Daniel Craig. That's Daniel yeah, Craig. That's... Okay, that's what I thought. They got Daniel Craig in there. The mystery overall is, uh, they do a good job of sticking to the onion metaphor thing of like, oh, we're gonna put in layers and tell the story in layers until you get to the center and it's crystal clear. 
because it's a glass onion. You can see all the way through it, but there's still all these layers in the way. Um, they do a good job with structure and pacing in that manner, and they do a unintentionally good job of... And correction. They do an, an unintentionally, intentionally good job of lampooning Elon Musk, uh, particularly because it was being written... As I understand, it was in writing and development and all those things before Musk bought Twitter. And then Musk went and bought Twitter. <laughs> so. Um, and again, like, Catherine Hahn is amazing in it. So. I don't know how much more I can say without giving away Spoilers. Okay, so for someone who has never seen Knives Out and has not seen Glass Onion yet, what is the appeal of these movies? So, the appeal is how well they're crafted. Um, particularly okay. in, it fits very well with what I understand of Rian Johnson's style. Ryan Johnson, whatever. Um, part of the thing that made him such a bad Star Wars creator, like a bad mainline Star Wars creator, is what makes him good with these mysteries. Of uh, He likes subversion. He likes subverting expectations. He likes subversion. He likes trying not to play into tropes. So his uh, detective, Blanc, is a has a thick, thick southern accent. And it's... he It's the glass onion. You gotta peel back the layers. Like, he's just such a thick, fake southern accent. Despite, like, appearing to live in Britain. And he is the quintessential odd detective, but is odd in the fact that he's a world-famous detective. You don't know of any of his other cases. He's still world-famous, but also, like, is very, very good at what he does. And he gets intrigued by it, and... But really, the only things actually queer to Miss Quirky about him are the fact that he uses this horrible fake Southern accent, and he's gay. Like, they don't play the gay trope as being quirky, but just that he is rather well-dressed, well-whatever, and in Glass Onion confirms he's got a male significant other. Oh um, my god, that's amazing. Yeah. So, like, compare that to, like, your Hercule Poirot's, your Sherlock Holmes's, where they're weird and quirky and have to do the traits, and Poirot's got his obsessions, and Sherlock Holmes initially is near emotionless and is doing coke uh, or opium or whatever the fuck. Whereas Daniel Craig's character is just a detective. And it's same way, like, isn't a hard boiled detective. He's not dark and brooding he's just a private detective um the characters are all very well done in terms of being unique and um identifiable and recognizable without being parody so for example with knives out my uh, somebody I know sat down and watched it through Knives Out and went, oh, I know all these people because I'm related to them. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. And then, same thing with Knives Out, like, 
you had Chris Evans in there as one of the people. And I couldn't name anybody else who was in Knives Out, but, like, all the people in Knives Out are very clearly, like, playing the character of... Because Knives Out, the rich uh, patriarch of the, of the family dies. And you got the eldest son who kind of worked for the company, left, came back, kind of a screw-up. You've got the next few families down that are... All the family members are just living off daddy's money, but you got the one who thinks she's starting her own business, and you got the granddaughter who's going off to college and is generally a good person, but submits to whatever the family wants her to do. And you got the crippled one with the cane who talks big about like politics and what have you, thinking he's intelligent, but really has nothing to say. Uh, in Glass Onion. Because it's a bunch of, like, friends who all are up and coming in their fields. Who are friends with this Elon Musk character. Who, like, helped them get there. You've got the politician who's a governor gunning for senatehood. And played by Catherine Hahn. So, and we know she's great with politics because she did Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. um, you've got, oh god, who's, who's the main lead in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Isn't that Kate Hudson? Kate Hudson, I believe, is also in the, uh, Glass Onion as a ditzy, airheaded, rich fashion model who started her own fashion line. And the, um, I'm pretty sure I have to. I haven't looked it up. I'm pretty sure it's the same person in one of the side characters in Iron Fist. Is all that actress is also her assistant in Glass Onion. You got Dave Bautista, who is playing a streamer, right-wing, pushing the whole, like, right-wing male macho agenda, but he lives at home with his mom. And, but it's also Dave Bautista, so he's still, like, pretty built. Um, so, like, a, a lot of the appeal is that the characters are all realistic, relatable. You know who these people are. You've met some of these people in real life. The detective is compelling without being too smug or too much of an asshole. And the story twists are just far enough out of reach where you don't see it coming, but not so far out of left field where it's like, okay, you, that's not a twist. That's just nonsense. Sounds like a pretty versatile and interesting makeup, honestly. It is. And somehow that wasn't brought to Star Wars. Well, you could find, man. <clears throat> Just not hey, the story you're trying to tell with Star Wars. He subverted your expectations. All right, isn't that I all you wanted? This movie to be good. <laughs> <laughs> subverted. <laughs> Jeez. But like oh. that's again, having watched Glass Onion, I got done. I was like, oh damn! It's all the this things guy that can write a movie. Yeah, well, it was, like, all the things that <laughs> made his Star Wars movie not that good. Like, I know there's some people out there that really liked it, but, frankly, it I did not enjoy it for some good reasons, some petty reasons. But all those things that made me not enjoy his Star Wars movie are the same things that made me enjoy Glass Onion. And James is at a cash register. No, sorry, I accidentally knocked uh, my table and my... Uh, I have one of those like like one of those L shaped things that you put in like a bolt or a screw and you turn it. That's what I used to put my desk together. It was on my desk. 
a noctet. Is that what it's called? It's literally like it's a hexagon yeah, it's, and it's a wrench. An Allen wrench. Sure. Yeah. Is that what it is? It's, John's yeah. probably more right. Not too I sure bumped what I it. All them, but yeah, hex key or something like that. I bumped it. Bumped um, it. I bumped it, no. mate. But yeah, glass yeah. onion. Very enjoyable. Heck yeah. What do you, what got, you James? got, James? Um, let me think here. <laughs> um, what do you mean, let me think? I mean, let me ponder. We've been at this for 33 minutes. What do you mean, let me think? My my vast collection of media. Um. Oh. Oh, I know what I should recommend. He knows what okay. he should recommend, he says. This is like an this is partially an anti-recommendation because I in no way want anybody to listen to this album. Um participate in this media. But I do think it's just fascinating to listen to. Um I don't know why. Okay, so a little bit a little bit of backstory. A while ago, like a couple Couple months ago, I watched Osmosis Jones. Like rewatched it for, yeah. I, I rewatched it for the first time in like a like since I basically saw it. And there's a song that Kid Rock does in Osmosis Jones, um, okay. and for some reason that I really fucking love the song because it's so like corny and kind of bad, but I just love it, and I've been like blasting it, um, and. It, I was like, after a while, after listening to it, I was like, you know what? I should try to listen to Kid Rock. Oh, no. Um, and I went all the way back to his first album, and I listened to it while I was working out. And I thought it was one of the most foul things I'd ever listened to in my entire life. It was like, like I hate to sound like such a Puritan. It was fucking disgusting. Like, I can't okay. believe. Question. Mm -hmm. Was it disgusting because it was his first album and he was bad at the start? Or was it disgusting because of the content? It's disgusting because of the content. Like, it's incredibly brash and graphic. And there's, like, there are some songs that are surprisingly more intelligent and, like, nuanced than I would expect to be on a Kid Rock album. But some of the songs are just, like, so foul and graphic and just like kind of gross and i was like by the end i was like it wasn't even like oh man i'm done i'm so glad this is over it was more just like why did i put that in my ears like i was like what was that like i, I couldn't believe if i had if i'd been a this this uh it came out in 1990 um and uh if I had, if I'd been a parent of a child and I had walked past uh, their uh, uh, their room and they had they were listening to this CD, I definitely have a few choice words. Um, there's one one of his 90? lyrics. Yeah, it came out in 1990. That was his first album. Yeah. Um, he has he has uh, hold on he has a he has a fantastic quote. Um, hold on, but. Yeah, he's. Hold on. This will give you. This will give you an example. Um, Imp of the want? nation. Okay, so this is uh, this is off of uh, Kid Rock's uh, hit 1990s song, off of his hit 1990 album. The song is "Pimp of the Nation," talking about how one day Kid Rock is 
is going to be the pimp of the nation. Um, oh. And it's off his album. What is this album called? Grits, Sandwiches for Breakfast. And the song starts out, there's only two types of men, pimps and johns. There's only one type of bitch, and that's a hoe. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's so good. The way he delivers it, too. Oh, my God. I can't do it justice. It's just, it's like some of the trashiest rap Cause like th- I looked this up. This is four years after the initial release of the Beastie Boys' first album, "Rhyming and Stealing." And like I know this is like the corniest like white guy who listens to hip hop or rap or anything thing to say. I love the Beastie Boys. I think I think "License to Ill," which is their first album, is maybe one of my favorite albums of all time. I think it's just so much fun, and they do this thing where they sound very brash and like angry but it's still it feels like a little self-aware and and kind of like fun like the 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 production is very good their lyrics are like fun even though you can't really understand them like it's very sort of it feels very like real and there's some stuff that feels like that in kid rock but it feels like he's really trying to kind of like basically ape them and then also kind of just trying to be like a gangster basically and it just doesn't quite work but i would say if you do give it a listen i would suggest it because it's like it's no type of music that i've ever voluntarily put in my body um and i'm thinking of maybe trying to go through some of his other discography to see what happens because on itunes or on on apple music between his first album and his second album, there is an eight-year gap. So, really? really, really. So, I am interested to see what he sounds like um, on his second album. Uh, and they're both classified as hard rock, even though they're very... I wouldn't call them that, really, at all. It's like, it is kind of like... If if like you call some stuff rockabilly, this is like rapabilly. Like it's very I don't know, but uh, I guess I guess my recommendation and or anti recommendation would be grits sandwiches for breakfast. First Kid Rock album. Put it in your body and see what you think. Oh wow! Somebody put um, Andrew Cuomo together. <laughs> he he, re- he actually kind of lines up. <laughs> I wish that could be the thumbnail for this this podcast. Um, no, RJ, can you put this photo out for me Mondays? <laughs> no, put a wholesome caption on it. Yeah, I hope you have a great day. Um. <laughs> so I do, I do feel I need to defend rap a little bit as a genre. Uh, oh, I love rap. It's worth noting, gangster rap was uh, only came about around the like very late 80s early 90s and is a subgenre of the genre just because it's one of those things i saw the other day on reddit somebody asking like why the why the fuck do we uh idolize rap as a music variety so much when it seems to be mostly about these like derogatory horrible hateful things of like guns and drugs and sex and murder and I I knew it wasn't just that, but I still had I never bothered to like 
look it up, and now you gave me the excuse, so. Yeah, and I mean, like, Kid Rock is, like, I would not, like, I don't know, calling Kid Rock rap is, like, calling kids bop music. Like, technically, <laughs> yes, I suppose uh, it is, like, in form, yes, but, like, a lot of the substance is kind of, like, missing because, like, any kind of music, rap requires that you put a part of yourself into it while also paying homage. Like if it's all homage and none of you or vice versa, it doesn't work. And like, I mean, the greatest, I mean, there, there are like, there are great music artists that have come out of the genre. I love Eric B and Rakim. They're fantastic. Um, you have like, obviously you have like NWA, yeah, fucking Wu-Tang Clan. Like these are the basic ones. Um, and they've got some really awesome songs. Uh, Kid Rock is, uh, not, I would not count him. He's kind of almost like a purely manufactured, like he feels like a couple music executives got together and they were like, okay, like if we could make a rap, but for white people, like white people who think the beastie boys is too aggressive, but they still want to feel like really sick driving down, you know, main street in their, in their pickup. Uh, because I always I heard guess, that Kiss was like manufactured. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because they're what they're very like theatrical and um, yeah, I could see that. I suppose I don't. I don't know enough. Uh, I've heard that as well. That they're very much like considered a almost like a celebrity band and not really like a rock band. Um, I can't say enough for sure, but I just know that Kid Rock feels very sort of like. Like they basically discovered this guy who was like doing this thing. And the thing is, is he's not really that good at it. And he's kind of gross. And then they like put him on the national platform because he was those things. And people uh, will buy the albums because of that, because you'll have people who will like buy them to hate, listen to them. Then you have people who will buy them because they like him. Then you'll have people who buy them because people buy them to hate, listen to them. And they are like, hate, like, how am I supposed to say this? They're hate buying them to listen to them because they want to have something to say against the people who are buying them to hate listen to them. It's, it's a very complex web. It's it's basically you know the centrifugal the centrifugal force that fuels uh, capital uh, essentially. It's um, like Twitter. Yeah. Very much so. Exactly. It's like Twitter. But, but yeah, so that's um that's my analysis of capitalism seen through the lens of Kid Brock. Um, truly, one day I'm sure he will be an accepted scholarly framework in his own right. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think he's a bad guy, and I do think actually some of his songs, um, "New York's Not My Home," is actually a very interesting song because it's basically about this guy from like Detroit, Michigan, who goes to sign a record label in New York and. He kind of like hates everything about the city, but he's also like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's not my home and it's not my place to judge. And it was a very like, very different perspective than the rest of the album, which is basically just talking about how he has sex in a bunch of different ways with people. <laughs> and it's like, okay, interesting. Um, but yeah. Okay. So uh, what do we want to do for our next segment? We got rework or we got how to be. Ooh, let's do let's do an advice. We All want right. to kick off. Let's let's kick off this year with some advice. How to be a better buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question: 
How do we feel about clothes as Christmas gifts? Are there ones that are better and worse? Hmm. Hmm. I, I would be perfectly happy with clothes as Christmas gifts at this point in my life. Um, probably appreciate more like jackets, like, you know, a nice North Face or something, but. I am anti-clothes. Oh. I push back against your clothes because if I need clothes, I'm going to buy the goddamn clothes. Two. That's. I know what my size is. I know what makes me comfortable. And even with, like, putting out there what your sizes are, it's still not the same as, like, going and trying it on. And you know, despite their best intentions, like, I'm I'm a 2XL. I'm a 2XL t-shirt. I'll put that out there. Somebody will give me the 2XL. But a 2XL at, like, Farm and Fleet is way different than a 2XL at goddamn Kohl's. Because Kohl's fits everything for slim people. Yeah, so it can be difficult to find. Well, and it, I think it depends, too, on how well they know your actual fit. Like, if they do know it, um, then it's, like, easy peasy, right? Like, then... and Because if they if they know your style, and they know your fit, if they've known you for well enough, they can usually... I found people who can usually buy, like, pretty decent stuff that I'll find myself wearing. Um, conversely, though... If they don't, then you find yourself like returning stuff. And that's like a whole thing. Cause like, what if they want you to, what if like they ever ask you, like, oh, do you ever put on that thing I gave you? And it's like, oh, no, I didn't. (laughs) See, and like, I think the last time I actually asked for clothes was my like freshman or sophomore year of college when I asked for a black sweatshirt. And I got two on accident because two people, there was no a lack of coordination and I got two and it was kind of one of those like, well, these are the people I'm with right now who said they're go- cool if I return it. So I'll return that one and keep the other one. And I just have two black sweatshirts. I didn't need to. What do you mean you didn't need two? I only needed the yeah. one. Why do I need well, more than like- one sweatshirt? What? You don't like having two? You don't like having more than one? You're talking to a man who owns like ten identical black t-shirts. Right. So why not two black sweatshirts? Because I could return the one and buy card games. Which is what Uh, I did. Okay. I mean, that's fair. You're like goth Timmy Turner. That's crazy. Don't you want to be like goth timmy turner who's like outfitted for winter or even fall or Um, light breeze i own four pairs of jeans and a very nice jacket i got from uh, costco it's leather fuzzy inside oh fake leather inside yeah i'm good so yeah i stand against clothes as christmas gifts also because it's more i i believe it's more fun for people to shop for you and shop with you uh as like oh they want fun things here's the fun things we'll get them fun things we'll get them a magic eight ball and a deck of uno cards that's all wild or we'll get them a book that they might enjoy versus socks oh but sometimes socks are awesome Socks I, I feel are like I have the bulk at Walmart. 
I feel like I have the opposite perspective. Like, if it's a fun thing, I'm probably going to buy it for myself. But, like, I don't go out and get new clothes nearly often enough. So, like, my main way of collecting clothes is on occasions like that. I, don't get me wrong. I get the fun stuff for myself, too. But I reserve, like, the December to post my birthday window to, like, that's it. After that, oh, it's open season. So, like, ten There's... months out of the year, I can buy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. James, are you really that hard on clothes? Wait, sorry, am I really that one on clothes? Are you really that much on the side of clothes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, I I've had pretty good experiences with people getting me stuff, and I will, I, I guess to be fair, like, definitely in the middle of a, a sort of style transition. I've got a lot of, I haven't gotten, like, super, super new regular clothes in a couple years, and I'm kind of dressing like I'm still in college or just out of it. So I'm working this year to sort of shift my style, which is why like the thing is too, is like if I want clothes and I know that there's like a gift giving holiday or my birthday coming up, like I'll broadcast that, like I'll tell people and it'll usually get passed through somewhere. And the people I have had give me clothes before, it's been very rare where I've had something that I like won't wear though to be fair i haven't really had like a super defined style so it's not like many things that they would give me would be like super incongruent um wow but yeah i mean like i i if someone was like oh i was thinking of getting you a really nice sweater or like a book that you really wanted i'd be like well you can probably just you can give me the book like don't don't buy don't put all that money down for like a sweater i can go get a sweater like yes. I'll, I'll take the book for sure um but but if they i don't know sometimes people just want to see you like dressed in uh, what they gave you and i can i no. can respect that what do you mean no How dare they try and constrain my spirit in that manner that best suits their vision of me they're not trying to constrain you they're just trying to they're trying to chain me to the rock but I'm Prometheus, and I will be free. Prometheus, uh, Prometheus is a... He waits there for a long time to get free there, bud. Vultures can't eat your liver if you have a nice enough sweater on, RJ. <laughs> if you're wearing yeah, two that's... black sweatshirts. <laughs> no. That's actually very true. That's actually very true. If you get several off. sweatshirts... That's what Prometheus was missing, was a really nice, like, champion um, <laughs> to protect him from the vultures. Right. All right. Our next question. What beverages are you drinking this Christmas Eve? Well, it's like 350 days away, so I don't know. I drank some water. Oh, yeah, I man. Some water. What did I drink? I had some wine. I had some Pinot Grigio. Um... Yeah, I think I just had water. Did I have? Because this is Christmas Eve. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. yeah. Still. Uh, um. Still very much. Day, but... I had like some punch with vodka. At my aunt's house. Just cut to John picking up the entire bowl and like <laughs> <laughs> downing it. 
he, he, Some. He, he scoops himself a glass, sets it down, takes the bowl with him, and pours a drop of vodka in. <laughs> yeah. Takes like, a bottle of vodka and pours a drop of punch in. Just finishes the whole thing, puts it down, wipes his mouth. He's like, oh, wow. So now that's what they call a Russian shot. Um, <laughs> All right. Our next question. How mandatory are non-mandatory office Christmas parties? With the further details, I'm much younger than the people I work with, and while we get along well enough, I don't really feel like driving two hours, four total, to come in on a Friday night for a Christmas party that was said to be optional. On the other hand, I know that oftentimes what people say and what they mean are two totally different things. Mm. It depends on your situation, but with two hours, I think they would understand. Yeah, where the fuck do you work that you have to drive two hours? That kind of happens with my job a lot, because there's a lot of people down two hours away, and I'm the only one up here two hours away, so. But like, you know, oh, so you're saying this could be like more of a remote work thing where it's like, if you're going, when you need to go into the office, you got to drive two hours, but they like work from home most of the time. Yeah. That makes sense. It's possible. So I've definitely said no to some activities because it's two hours away. I've gone to some of them, but. I think for your first one, you should try and show up out of a potential courtesy thing. Um, though I guess this also depends on like what terms you're on with like the people in your workplace already. Um, but I mean, if you really do, if it really is that much of an inconvenience, then I would say skip it. Although free alcohol, free food, and who knows, maybe someone cute might show up. You have no idea. Yeah, you know, you know work, what's party. <laughs> work party. Of people that are older than you. Well, what if people bring uh, plus one? People can or... be cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, don't be ageist. And uh, you know, let's, let's reference the first three words: are I'm much younger. Yeah. Yeah. So your point, and that's contextual. This is a group How of like fifty year olds who hired a twenty something out of college situation. Well, I mean, haven't you ever seen the movie Office Christmas Party? They, there's a lot of people that go to that Christmas party, and very few of them actually work at the place that it's held at. So, <laughs> okay, mm, I'll take your word for it. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, um, you never, you never know what can happen. I, I would go, I would try it just once, and then if it's like now you're beat, you can just stay, especially if they're all old, or like just stay for like an hour. And then you can go home, you know. That's what 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 that's are you gonna like though, James? That's yeah, five if you're hours. Gonna, yeah, if you okay, so if the party well, is you get off work at four thirty, that takes mm-hmm. you to nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. If it yeah, so if you're at okay, so that's the thing too, is like if the party is close to being when app like work ends, right? Like then why bother going home? Bring your stuff to change into, just hang out at the office, like chill, and then like hang out there for the first like hour or so. And if the party starts at like 5.30, 6 o'clock, you hang out there for an hour, you're back at nine. If you want to go out, you got all night, especially if you're a young person, a lot of people stay out until like four in the morning. So it's like, you got plenty but, of time. But you don't live you know there. What I mean? It's a two hour drive. Yeah, pop so in a podcast. where the fuck do you stay for the night? Well, no, no, like, no, no. You're not no, going to no. be able to drive home. Well, if you want to drive home, then, like, don't drink that much. If you end up, like, drinking too much, then 
then I guess you're sleeping in your car. But then, well, you're also you saying like, drink- oh, young people stay out till four a.m. It's kind of like, okay, yeah. that's great. I stayed out till four a.m. and I'm gonna drive the fuck home after that. I'm exhausted. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, go home. Like, I'm assuming that you might have like back at home in the the town or city that you oh, that you live in. You I probably have places. Part. Yeah, you I probably have places to go drive out. back home and then go out again. Yeah, like like just stay there for a little bit, and then if it's lame, then you can. Or if it's just not your scene, then you can bolt, and you could be back at your place by. And this is all contingent on like when it ends. You can still be back by your place, even if you're back by ten thirty or eleven. That's like peak time if you can get down to some of those bars, like you'll miss out on like a, a longer portion of the night, but I don't know if your friends are out there, who cares? Like just go out and meet them. You know what I mean? It's a, there's a way to make it work if you want to, but I would not pressure anyone to do, to do anything that they wouldn't want to do. You know, there you go. Uh, next question. What makes a perfect Christmas tree? Um, it's one you can put in a box and take back out next year. Oh, you cynical Grinch. <laughs> James, you back down. They don't come in, the best things don't come in boxes or with bows or whatever else is in the Grinch. They don't they come from trees when they're cut dipshit. down a living thing in the forest and Let's drag go murder it, a plant. Drag Let's go murder back a tree that home. has a birdhouse in it and leads to the entire story of that one thing where Vince Vaughn was Santa Claus's brother. Hey, Fred Claus? Yeah. The movie's awesome. Was it? Yeah. Dude, I, I caught the tail end of it. Um, I caught the tail end of it, like, on, it was on, like, Thanksgiving, or, like, it was, like, around, like, the Thanksgiving holiday. I was watching it with, like, my family. And, um, kind of amazing. Paul Giamatti acts the hell out of being Santa Claus. And I know his name is a dirty word, but Kevin Spacey is in it, and he's really good in it. He's really good at it. He also puts his, like, he commits to his fucking role. That movie is... Isn't that a movie? It's not Isn't awesome. that movie the entire crux of the story is Fred and Santa don't like each other because Santa was the perfect kid and accidentally cut down the tree that Fred's bird friends lived in? Yeah, well, it's like Santa, like, as a, as kids, like, he could do no wrong. He was, like, the perfect kid and, like... Vince Vaughn's character, Fred, was seen as just like, yeah, like either the the problem child or just even worse, like just the kid who was useless. And he got frustrated. And uh, in trying to make like the Christmas tree, like the first Christmas tree, uh, Santa cuts down, you know, uh, Nick, Nick cuts down uh, Fred's, the, tr- the, tr- the tree, yeah, where Fred has his birds. But that comes back in, you know, that act, it, you know, I won't spoil it because, <laughs> quite frankly, it's a beautiful movie. Um, so, I yeah, recommend it. fake trees for life. That way you don't piss off your brother. I would say you do what feels right for you. I like the smell of a real tree and I like having to take care of it. Just put a goddamn I know car air freshener in it. It's kind of brutal. It's not the same, RJ. What the hell are you put talking about? Put a goddamn about? car air freshener in it. Get out of here. You put up the tree. You get a rotating get. base so that you can decorate the entire tree and you get to see all the decorations. And <laughs> hey. Put a goddamn angel on top of that tree. 
You know what? Uh, you know what the best kind of dog is the one that you can put in a box. <laughs> the one that comes in a box. Hey, one hey. of the kids' most popular toys was a hey. robot dog. What do you want? Hey, that's true. Hey, go fucking. Hey, it's the same thing. Hey, go what? Fuck they can yourself. Say they roll over. Hey, this one just has the capacity to become scarily aware of who it is and what it's doing on this planet. You know, real dog can't do that. Okay, <laughs> so you should be thanking me. Uh, no. Not gonna. one day. They should invent a Christmas tree that can talk to you, so no one will be lonely on Christmas, and then all of our problems it's will be solved. It's called sticking an Alexa on top. Mm, no, nah, I want the whole tree to blink when it talks to me, like some. Oh, you could easily rig that up with a Raspberry Pi. Just sync it up with Alexa's what? lights. Arche, I hardly see how pastries are any help in electronics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got me. Oh, that clever man. Did you see it? Oh, he's so fucking clever. <laughs> Did you see how I hit uh, you with I the saw most it. obvious Oh, man, it just hit me right in the face, joke. James. Like a frying pan. Oh, it's so pen. fucking funny. <laughs> so fucking funny, aren't we, James? Dude, I'm in New York City. I should go be a stand I think that's my sign. I think I should go be a stand-up comedian. I think I should quit my job right now and go do pursue stand-up full-time. Oh, you mean like the other 98% of New York? Hey, yeah, that's right. Actually, I forgot. Ninety-eight <laughs> percent of New Yorkers are actually stand-up comedians. Did you know that? They're um, stand-up comedians or struggling writers. Who you? Hey, statistically, New York has more comedy clubs than bathrooms. So you know, um, some of them really? are the same things. So. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's a rough statistic. Look, well, you put a stage in the bathroom, it becomes a comedy club. Well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, statistically, New York is more stand-up comedians than police officers. <laughs> statistically, Central Park has more writers than police officers. <laughs> the subway you know, hobos st- are statistically more likely to be a failed comedian than a police officer. But some of them are police oh. officers in disguise, so you can't befriend any of them. No, you can't, dude. They'll bring you in, those freaking snitches, dude. They snitch on you for sleeping on a bench. Yeah, or they try to push in around the subway, you know. Whichever way, it'll be a glorious They just app. write it down that you slipped. Yeah. Oh, no, he fucking slipped. What a fucking tragedy. Uh, so I oh, think well. uh, James is just trying to ignore the fact that John and I are uh, the two to one on this one, uh, which means the perfect Christmas tree is a fake tree. I don't think the debate has been settled. I don't think it'll ever be settled, quite frankly. And well, I'm, to be fair, wrong? what'd you say? I said, how's it feel to be wrong? Well, see, after being wrong many, many, many times in my life and anticipating the possibility of being wrong many, many more, I'm able to hold the paradox in the palm of my hand that I may, and in fact, maybe everyone is all the time with everything they do simultaneously right and wrong, you know? So, fucking sprinkle that on your Christmas dinner. I will. Our next question, probably our last one this week. If you're in a private one-on-one discussion with a woman and she accuses you of mansplaining, how do you respond without escalating things? You just (sighs) say, sorry, I didn't mean to be. And then you just move on. I think you say, um, I think what you do... (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> oh boy! Oh no! I think what you do is uh, you while she's James? not looking. James, 
while she's not James? looking, you James. dim the lights, right? Wait, James. no, this James. trust me, this has worked James. before. James, you dim the James. lights, and, and you're like, "Honey, James. are you feeling okay?" James. And when she asks you to turn the lights back up, you say, "I am." The honey, the lights are the same that they've always been. What are you talking oh, about? God, James. So you respond by gaslighting her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, this guy gets Mansplain, it. manipulate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Mansplain, man's manipulate, man cave. The only. <laughs> it's, oh, it's God, perfect, I hate it. It's the perfect plan. <laughs> it's the perfect plan. Girl boss guys um, like, hey, keep. Mansplain, manipulate, man cave. Man cave, yeah. Just fucking. You mansplain, you know. then you try to manipulate your way out of the situation, and then you get banished to the man cave. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm no. pretty sure. You you mansplain, and the mansplaining allows you to manipulate, and then through manipulation, you uh, land in a situation where you have created a man cave. You know, it's kind of oh, there's a doghouse. <laughs> it's it's only well, you know, <laughs> you know why they call it the doghouse, right? Why? I'm gonna regret it's asking. It's where all the bitches are, RJ. God fucking damn it. <laughs> Why they called the dock house. Oh no, we lost all of our audio for the last three minutes. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I'll repeat it from the top. This is how you gaslight a woman <laughs> in greasy step. Um <laughs> look. <clears throat> apologize, say so you didn't mean to. I will throw this out there as well though. Let's make sure Romain is actually mansplaining before we accuse him of mansplaining. Okay? Yeah. Because I will always yeah. remember the uh, story of one of the freaking work, like, writers of The Matrix leaning over in a coffee shop, having overheard a conversation and saying, like, oh, I can, I can clear that up for you if you want. And two girls immediately started going, don't mansplain to us. And he's like, oh, okay, well, have a nice day. And it's like, you... You just, you flew off the handle on him when he wasn't mansplaining yet. He wasn't even explaining yet. He's a stranger. If some dude who is trying to correct him, he was mansplaining <laughs> from their perspective. If they get to say mansplaining, can we say woman nagging? Does that work? Uh, does that, I believe it's just that... called nagging. Ayo! Oh, <laughs> nice. If I could high five you with my extremely manly hands, uh, I totally would. Um, but we're, we're very far, far away. Um, no, I, I, I agree with. Uh, I, I agree as always with with both sides. I think obviously, um, I do think sometimes people throw mansplaining around as just kind of a a, to, a, a linguistic tool to shut down conversation because we all know that that word is and its implications are are a little scary or at least. Uh, socially anxiety producing um however i think it also behooves the guy to like genuinely uh reflect for a quick moment like am i actually just being kind of like i'm doing right now uh an overblown windbag and prattling on um about something because maybe i just like talking about it but maybe it's also a little uh condescending to a degree um so yeah, and then you can just say, oh, man, like, I'm sorry. I was going on for a while there. I, I apologize for that. And then that's it, you know? Then then, then we all can 
move on. Um, and and then speak to them again. Then you dim the lights. And then <laughs> they see, need to slate them. Exactly. It's all about being honest and then manipulating them because then they trust you, right? And and then la, whatever la, 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 la. it's way easier. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, your ears, children. Don't listen to the bad man. You're right. Don't listen to me. Yeah, don't listen to me. See, that's called reverse psychology. And uh, I'm going to tell you how it works on women in my... Nope, um, nope, nope, fuck off. Just pick fuck up off. this book. Fuck right the off. New. This new book. <laughs> fuck right off, James. It's called The Move. Uh, and it's it's 200 pages long and it costs $50. And uh, I'm going to tell you basically everything you need to know about uh, women, and uh, I actually co-authored it with my good friend, Andrew Tate. Oh, and fuck my no. And my other good <laughs> friend. Hell. James, stop. <laughs> Just stop. And the ghost of this Joseph Goebbels. Whoa! <laughs> You're going to get down. Oh, my God. I'm How do you get here? That's crazy. Get him banned from Spotify. Hey. I'm just saying, listen, if you guys could triple no. co-author a book with the ghost of the, the you know, the, 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 the propaganda no, minister of, of the German co-author a ghost with a, a co-author a book of the fucking ghost. I just read a book about ghosts. No, you gotta, you gotta pick a ghost to co-author it with, and then you gotta go through all the proper stages to call them in. You know what I mean? Actually, the very, it's, it's actually interesting you mentioned that because the first stage of gaslighting, dimming the lights is the first stage in summoning a ghost. So it's, it's really, it's really, if you... It, Hey, James, mm-hmm. RJ and I are going to co-author your ghost. Okay, cool. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait. I hope somebody tries. No, I don't hope somebody tries to assassinate what me, you but... Say? You're hoping someone tries to assassinate say... you. Why would I hope that? I don't know. It'd be it'd be kind of exciting, right? It'd be kind of like... you got to uh... be important for somebody to want to assassinate you. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of flattering, right? Especially if it's like... Man, yeah... If a girl tried to assassinate you, that's like she's she's top she's top of the list. She's a material. You know what I mean? That's I'm getting down on one knee, but I'm also being careful because I could be in the line of sight. You know, so mm-hmm. behind a the proper cover, I will be being down on one knee um, and asking her through some kind sure. of way to communicate through long distance because she may still be trying to. I'm going to have to use a signal jammer because she could be trying to find where I am, you know, so. Uh, uh-huh. That's actually the last chapter of the book is how to propose long distance when the woman that you've been uh, uh, courting through successive means of increasingly uh, depraved psychological manipulation decides to finally try and kill you. And uh, that's when you know you've, uh, you've finally met the one, you know. Is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we it, really that wrap this up, shouldn't we? Yeah, we end, probably should have like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! All right. I, I, <laughs> You've uh, thank you both for joining. Uh, thank John. You're thank you, John, for joining. James, I don't, I don't know. You're up the nice. Thank moment. you for having me. It's wonderful be to be here in another wonderful brand new New Year. Boy, howdy! What a way to start it. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We are also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. Our Twitter is at BetterBudCast. And our Gmail account is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, questions you need advice on, or movie pitch ideas you want us to flush out. Last but not least, be a better buddy. I guess if you had any part in writing the show, The Badlands, or Into the Badlands, uh, let us know, you know? Yeah. We'd love to know. We're not recording yet. (laughs) No, yes, we are. We into are? the Badlands. I record beforehand to get the outro stickers. Well, right. Okay. But we're in a world. Okay. In a world. In a world where it's In a world just where everyone has narrator voices. Only one <laughs> man can go to the movies. Oh, man. Carrie? <laughs> yes, it's Jim Carrey. Some regular guy who just wants to hear a movie that doesn't sound like it comes from 2008. It's like, I'm really just looking for a nice, a mumblecore movie would be great right now. Y'all Too got bad. Any, uh, you got any French flicks? Yeah, got any a, French movies? A Norwegian stop motion, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>